This is the best of two pros in a cup of joe with LeVar Arrington, Brady Quinn, and Jonas Knox on Fox Sports Radio. Tarek. Hell yeah. <laughs> by the way, I'm going to throw out uh, a scenario that I drove by this morning, and I want you guys to tell me the two possible options or two possible scenarios in which it was heading towards this direction. So I saw a car. I saw a car that was pulled off to the side of the road. Mm-hmm. There were cop cars everywhere. Okay. Doors were open. Oh, no. Uh-oh. And they were looking through the embankment. And looking okay. through like a, uh, a a grass field area. Oh so, well, he was in trouble. All right, so or you, she. So you think he? Oh, mo- I, <laughs> they were running. I, I I had a conspiracy on this. <laughs> okay, can we get all right? Uh oh. Robert Uh-oh. Stack's entrance music is uh, is is ready to go here. Is it ready? What is the <laughs> what's the conspiracy Uh-oh. music uh, all right. needed Uh-oh. for? We first have to begin by breaking down Lee. What did you have for dinner last night? <laughs> Lee? Lee? What did you have Ooh. for dinner last night? I don't know. It was all over the place. It was a fun one last night. Ooh. Yeah, I know, Lee, but we need to know. What's Tell it us. spicy? What's Tell it us spicy? What you had. I had the spiciest habanero spicy. napalm sauce ever, Ooh. and I put it on everything. I put it in some chicken soup. Ooh, I put okay. it in some chicken mm. cabbage. Ooh. I also had a corn dog, some curly fries, Jesus. Oh, hell, and an empanada. Oof, that all goes together. All right, that's beside the point, though. Do you want to okay. see forty, Lee? <laughs> Not so really, what y'all no. saying? Uh, uh, I want to hear the the, the theory because I feel yeah. like I know where you're going. So, Jonas, back to you. Yeah. What type of car did this look like? Uh, it it was a uh, like a smaller car. I couldn't Uh-oh. really get a good look at it because it was dark see it. out. Yeah, it was dark I've never out. seen Perfect. Lee's car. Yeah. All right. There you go. What color do you think Lee's car would be? That was going to be my question to you next is, LeVar, have you ever seen Lee's car? I have never seen Lee get into a car. I've never seen (laughs) Lee leave. I've never seen his car. Lee, if Roberto was here and somebody asked him, hey, what color is your car, what would you say? It's black, dog. (laughs) (laughs) Although I'd say it's camo because it's all over the place. So that leads me to this assumption, by the way, Uh about this event. Uh Uh-oh. I think, I think... That was Lee that you saw on your way into work. Oh, wow. I think what (laughs) happened was Lee, by the time the officer walked over, had created a smell so awful, so terrible from that smorgasbord that he ate last (laughs) night for dinner that they had to open up every door in that thing to to see what the smell was because they thought it had to have been drugs. It had to have been something maybe not even of this planet. Oh, no. And that's what they were looking for. So uh, they were going quarantining? I mean, basically, yes, yeah. Potentially. Oh, oh my uh, God. He, yeah, it fumigate the entire area. Uh, yeah. I, 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 I mean, it is. So Lee left the car at the scene of the crime. Well, that's the that was, embankment. Lee, Lee kind of is the scene of the crime. It's yeah. kind of one of the same. And just jammed. And but he's, he's, he made it to the studio while the cops are still that's how checking he got out. Yeah. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. I mean, it's a hell of a theory. I mean, that dog might hunt. To be honest with you, mm. I mean it might. It's my favorite phrase. Uh, mm. <laughs> where did that come from, by the way? I don't know. That dog hunts. I don't know. <laughs> it's so mm. lame. Uh, but yeah, I was thinking that. I was that's a so that's a third option. Mm. I was thinking either, uh, you know, ran out of gas. Uh, or well, they didn't run out of gas. Or no, he's got plenty. Yeah, or, plenty of gas. <laughs> you or, boys about ready to find out. 
Or the guy, yeah, basically, if Lee cut a fart right now, you'd need to floss. Mm. It's so bad. It is revolting what he ate. What? I mean, it's going to be How thick in here. does that make any sense? It's going to be thick in here, just telling mm. you. Uh, but, yeah, it was either that or he, uh, you know, he ditched the car and just sort of ran away after, uh, after he knew it was going to get popped. So, but, hey, hopefully all is safe, and hopefully he had some tire rack tires to, uh, to go ahead and get him there safely. Good point. Um, uh, let's go live to Iowa Sam, who has a thought on Lee's gas. Sam? <laughs> Uh, no, it's not even about that. It, Lee drives the uh, the car from uh, Men in Black. That's all I want. That's, that's his vehicle. It's like a square, generic black Chevy. Well, that's his social life, too. I mean, what do you go. mean? Mm. Um, so, uh, mm. so away Everything we go. black. <laughs> mm. And so away we go, uh, transitioning we from- We found out something pretty interesting about Lee, too, huh? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty interesting. What was so interesting about it? Oh, his daddy is Sager. You know, oh, Bob, Lee Bob Sager, Sager. Delat. Oh, Sager. 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 <laughs> How the hell did he know that I got gas? Bob Sager. Mm. Little silver bullet band last night. Yep. Looked yeah. just like your daddy. Pulling out the vinyl. <laughs> Somebody but, got I'll some questions Sam, to answer. Sam, you missed that yesterday. We were talking about uh, Lee making some night moves, which I, I thought he was making some night moves last night. Maybe it was just a move to the toilet after that hot habanero sauce. Night moves to the toilet. God, what mm. a dis- what a, that is, that's a hell of an eat, Lee. Well, like, it's still night damn, when we do yeah. this show, so it's spicy. It. It's still <laughs> spicy. Can we break down though? Like, when did you eat all of those different things? Yeah, you how, could have been how in much one time? Sitting. Well, I was with Todd, of course, oh and uh, we went to his local watering hole. And I mean, we before know- you go any further, before you go any further, yeah, is there something that you? I mean, it's okay, you know. what I mean, like we're nobody's going to judge you, you know. what I mean, like we we love you here, like especially dude, in dude. this day and age. I mean, exactly. I mean, is there something that you you know you want to tell us, like? I you tell know. you guys everything. I'm an open book. Okay. All but, right. uh, yeah, you know. All right. But, uh, yeah. Did, did Todd get spicy with you, or did you do it alone? So we, so we know the chef at the bar, right? Like He comes out and has a, has a shot with us the whole nine. So was like, he's like, hey, I got something good for you guys. So the chef is in on it with you. Oh, yeah. Okay. And right. uh, right. he brings out a vat of this habanero, homemade habanero sauce. And I... I, I coughed, man. I couldn't. I didn't think I could uh, hold it down. I was not expecting that. I put it on some chicken noodle soup, weirdly enough. And, Why? Because uh, uh, that was what he gave us. I mean, he just gave us what he had in the back. He's like, here's some soup, and here's some habanero sauce. I'm not going to say no. To mix, to mix with the soup. Bro, you guys sound like you're stray animals. Like He just That's gave geez. us whatever he here, had in the here, back. Here, try this. <laughs> nah, nah, yeah. Nothing for you. <laughs> And then I got home and I uh, threw some uh, corn dogs and uh, curly fries in the oven. Okay, so it wasn't one sitting. (laughs) So they were the were they the Foster Farms frozen corn dogs? Yes, they were. Oh, Uh, that was pretty good, Jonas. (laughs) Yeah, man, we grew up on those. (laughs) That was like, yeah, you just freeze them, you throw them in the oven. What is it like eight to ten minutes? It's actually a little longer. It's like eighteen minutes. Works, oh, perfect, works perfectly with the curly fries. <laughs> if you were still hungry, why didn't you just keep eating while you were there? Yeah, what happened to that? Well, I I wanted to get home to the missus. More, mm. more, oh, more. God bless her, man. And then, uh, yeah. and then I I had to stop by the folks' house, and uh, the lady had made some empanadas. You can first eat time, this. Yeah, she, first time she had ever made empanadas. She's like, try Sam. this. I'm like, gladly, I'll take a nice Dear empanada. God, it's good. It was good. Sam. Did you tell? Did Thank you, you tell her about everything else you did before? I, I that? did. I was like, I do. I I'm full. I don't want any, but uh, 
What are you going to do when in Rome? So so she made empanadas. Was she qualified to make empanadas? They didn't know. Well, they were good. I'll say that. They were delicious. They didn't look like something you would buy. Okay. I mean, that's why when people were like, when the in-laws try and force me to eat, easy go-to, language barrier. Yeah, I don't understand. I don't know what you're asking me. Oh, you want, like, I don't know, like, ma, what does moss mean? I don't know what you mean. And then I use that to get out of the conversation. You just don't say no. No. I don't know how to say no. It's my problem. <laughs> like, whatever you got, smoke them if you got them, and, uh, and away we go. So there it is. Uh, that is uh, that is Lee's intake of the last uh, 12 hours here. So uh, I'm sure Good luck, Sam. I'm sure that <laughs> Eddie's just shaking his head. Eddie's disgusted. <laughs> he won't go near that studio for the next 24 hours. Um, well, listen, a uh, lot going on uh, with that studio. A lot going going on in the NFL with some of the stories coming out of, well, I mean, let's just start here. In Philadelphia, Nick Sirianni, he is, uh, he's going to have a little sit down with ownership today. That's the reports. And they're going to try and figure out what the plan is in Philadelphia. But it does feel like at the very least, there's going to be some changes. And then we should find out possibly later on today, whether or not those changes involve Nick Sirianni getting the axe after a disappointing finish to the season. Philly loses six of their last seven, and there's all sorts of stories coming out about dysfunction, not being on the same page, players frustrated, and so away we go with uh, Nick Sirianni watch in Philadelphia. Kind of a rough spot for him. Not ideal. So he's 34-17 and 17 during the course of the regular season since he's become a head coach. And they're going to fire him? I mean, it's. I'm sorry. It's crazy to think that they've been to the playoffs all three years. He's been a head coach there. Um, I understand this year. It seems like it's a, a rapid decline from where they were. He's an offensive-minded coach. The offense was anything but it. What you know, com, what you can compare it to last year in 2022. I, I don't know. I, I guess I, I find it highly surprising. I really do. That being said. I do think there's something to if you even if you're as successful as the Eagles have been, which I think everyone would say as a head coach in your first three years, if you went to the playoffs three straight times, won the division once, went to the won the NFC once, you'd say that's a good that's a good three year span as a head coach, right? Yeah. But if you feel like something's off, and you feel like that coach is the thing that's off about it. Then yeah, maybe I maybe I guess you you find a way of moving on if you feel like you have a better candidate or a better person to coach that team. I just I think that'd be an overreaction to what has taken place in Philly this season. Um, I and the thing I think I, think I worry about the most is Howie Roseman really is who runs that team. He moved on from Chip Kelly. Remember Chip Kelly went back to back ten win seasons, went to the playoffs in the first two years. Yep. They went in that third year, didn't look good, pushed him out. Doug Peterson won a Super Bowl there in Philly. Same thing. Quarterback situation, whatever, pushed him out. Now we're on to Nick Sirianni. They lose both coordinators to head coaching positions. And one year after winning 11 games in the regular season, granted they finished poorly and lost in the wild card round, he's going to move on again? I don't know, man. Like, I, I think this is a well-built, constructed roster. However, it's also an aging roster. It's also a roster that's got a lot of pieces defensively that are older and some things that need to be identified. And I, I look at it and go, 
Howie Roseman's behind all of this. And so if they move on from Nick Sirianni, it's going to be Howie Roseman's pick. We can talk about Jeff Lurie all we want, but that's who's got the ear of the head coach. That's, that's who it has been over the previous now, I guess what could be, three head coaches in Philly. He's the one pulling all the strings behind the scenes. And I think he wants to continue to be that person that does that. And, and, and it would actually, to me, listening to you would actually make the point as to the reason why it would happen that way is because he does believe he can win with, with who he chooses to bring in. And if he can win with who he chooses to bring in, as, as you stated with the prior coaches that he's moved from, on from, then wouldn't that lead you to think that he feels like he can do it again? And uh, we had the conversation about the coaching coaching uh, candidates that are out there. He may he may have his eye on someone that he feels can do a better job. And and listen, right now I I think linebackers are popular. I mean, they're just, you know, they're, it's a popular commodity. I mean, at first it was the, the young uh, hipster that was was the hot commodity to, to hire, um, more specifically from the, the Shanahan coaching tree. But I think it, it's now <laughs> They were for the hipsters? Yeah, the hipsters. Um, <laughs> I mean, aren't they all hipsters? What, what, what's the qualification? They're, just, they're, they're, they're putting out the vibe. <laughs> what's, I mean, what's if you, the qualification? If you're aware, do you drink it, IPAs and do you have a scarf? Probably. Okay, I you're mean, in. Probably. Right. And, or, and you're too cold to, to coach mean, can, a, you, a game in Kansas City. I mean, you can't call Mike McDaniel that. Wasn't he wearing off-whites the one side? That yes, was a hipster? and Lulu lemon pants, man. He's yeah, a hipster. Is that, is that hipster? Yeah. Absolutely. That's that's new age hipster. Sean McVay, same same dude. I mean, Kyle Shanahan is the same dude. They're you, all hipsters. You want this job? Do you wear a beanie in July? Yeah, yes. that's correct. All right. all right, there it is. That's your qualification. Yes. Do you do you wear name brand sunglasses or right. glasses with with prescription with prescription lenses in them? Yes, I do. You're a hipster. I mean, it just is what it is. I mean, McVay does it, but he makes up for it with his hair. You know, I mean, it's just he's a hipster. <laughs> but now we're in. Now we're into the linebacker phase, right? D'Amico Ryan's, you know, turned them around. I mean, I look at Dan Campbell. He's a tight end, but hell, we we accept him. We'll take him as a linebacker. I, I'll make him an honorary linebacker because he has a linebacker's mentality, right? So, yeah. so while he's not a linebacker, I, I'm going to we're going to claim him. It's the same mentality. Then you had the the emergence of Antonio Pierce in in Las Vegas, which we don't know what the, how, was going to happen there. But nonetheless, he got Max Crosby saying he's going to uh, explore trade trade possibilities if they don't hire him. And and I mean, Mike Vrabel is available. I'm just saying. And who better for a Pennsylvania? You know, hard nose, city of brotherly love, Apollo Creed, Joe Frazier, you know. Who better than to hire a guy like Mike Vrabel? I mean, I'm not making the hire. I'm not saying that, but I'm just saying that is on trend for the guys that are having success in the locker room. And what would you say is the biggest concern with Sirianni right now with Philadelphia? The locker room. The locker room. 
I mean, it just I, I'm just saying I'm keeping it simple. But I mean, I, if I'm Jeff Lurie, you know, and, and I'm, I'm the rest of them, I'm, I'm looking at it the, the same exact way. Like, well, I mean, if we are going to move on, it might be the perfect time to do so, even if it would appear to be premature. I mean, less than a year ago, this team almost won a Super Bowl. Had they had the ball last, they would have won a Super Bowl. And he's going to be out of a job. Mm. <laughs> like, what the hell's mm. going on? Like, who the hell would want to be a coach nowadays? I mean, I'll it's a very much, turbulent, that, <laughs> turbulent that, that sets him up, though, to get a job in the future for sure. I mean, with, with that resume, if, if, this is, if this is how it ends and he gets fired in Philly – I don't know that he'll get a job this cycle. Like, I I think I'd want to be like, all right, I'm young enough. I'm going to take some time off. I'm going to definitely collect every single cent in this contract. And then I'm going to go find another opportunity and, and eventually either become a head coach, go back to maybe call a place for a year and then, and go be a head coach again. But it, it would be very surprising to me. However, I mean, how many years did it take them to move on from Doug Peterson? Yeah. After winning a Super Bowl, right? Not long. Was it two? Yeah, yeah, it was two. I believe so. I mean, that's that's the type of organization you're dealing with. That's the type of situation um, that, or I guess, how seriously they take these these locker room situations, and maybe where they feel like this roster is at and how it can win right now, which is kind of crazy to think about. Yeah. Be sure to catch live editions of Two Pros and a Cup of Joe with Brady Quinn, Lavar Arrington, and Jonas Knox weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's me, three-time Pro Bowler Lavar Arrington, and I couldn't be more excited to announce a podcast called Up on Game. What is Up on Game, you ask? along with my fellow pro bowler, T.J. Hushmanzada, and Super Bowl champion, yep, that's right, Plexico Burris. You can only name a show with that type of talent on it. Up on game. We're going to be sharing our real-life experiences loaded with teachable moments. Listen to Up on Game with me, LeVar Arrington, T.J. Hushmanzada, and Plexico Burris on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts from. So uh, it surely seems like there's some different-looking rosters at uh, Washington and Alabama right now for some reason. I don't know what it is. Like It feels like uh, there was a couple of coaching changes, yet seeing all sorts of uh, different players entering into the transfer portal and guys looking to, uh, to get away from some of those changes. And uh, just wondering, uh, what happened here? Like, is it just as simple as uh, this is where we're at in college football, or is there something that could be fixed moving forward? Because it seems like a lot of names have uh, have all of a sudden decided they no longer want to be a part of those programs since the changes at the top. Yeah, weird. so there's an NCAA rule. It's 14.5.5.2.11. And it basically states that uh, a head coach departure – uh, prior to initial full-time enrollment exception. And so there, there's a bunch of different ways in which this impacts what's taking place uh, for Bama players, fans, their team, and the Washington Huskies, even the uh, Arizona Wildcats as well. So there's a, there's a window for a transfer portal, right? There's two windows. There's one that is in December and goes through January, and then there's one in football that is in May. And there's 45 days, 30 in that December, kind of January window, and then there's another 15 in May. And the interesting thing about this is 
it's really changed the way recruiting is handled. It's changed the way universities have handled hiring and firing coaches uh, for this reason. If you're a team that's not in the college football playoff, you have to make a decision immediately if you want to fire that coach. Because otherwise, you're impacted by your, the recruits because the, there's an early signing period in December. And that early signing period has now really become the signing period. And now you've got a transfer portal window as well. And so if you think about it, like let's just compare this to the NFL. In the NFL, the start of the new league year, which is when free agency starts, is in March. And then you later on have you know your draft coming up at the end of April. So they're kind of spaced out a little bit, right? You, you fill, figure out what you need in free agency, which guys you can get in that bidding process. And then whoever you don't get, you go into the draft and you figure out how you supplement your roster that way. And obviously, along the course of the way, there's different transactions that take place, right? There's trades, there's guys getting cut, guys being signed, all that stuff. But for the most part, that's, that's how the process works. For college football, you literally, in the span of 30 days, all right, you have your draft and you have free agency. It all happens all at once. And mind you, if you are a team that has, again, a coach that you want to fire, you have to fire that guy by the end of the season, which is the beginning of January. And then you've got to look and hire the next guy in that amount of time so he can get on the road and get recruiting. And a lot of times nowadays, because the transfer portal allows for everyone uh, essentially to, to be able to, uh, to be open to it, um, you know, putting their name in there when there's a coaching change, you have to recruit guys on your own roster. So because of this NCA rule, when there is a coach, okay, that is fired or decides to retire in the case of Nick Saban, they are able to open up a 30-day window for the players on that team to go put, you know, go in the transfer portal. Now, what makes it really unfair is, as of right now, Alabama, Washington, Arizona, those players can all leave and go in the portal, all right? But the problem is, is the portal's closed for those teams. So, for example, Kalen DeBoer can't go to the transfer portal to get players right now as the new Alabama head coach because – it's closed for him, yet every other team in the country can come poach their players once they put their name in the portal. And so this Why entire, is that? How does that it, get it, it's, into it's, to play? It's because of the NCAA rule, the 14.5.5.2.11. This is, this is the, the caveat that comes with that. And it's one of the reasons why I've said it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Like there becomes a deadline for trades in the NFL. There becomes a deadline for when you can agree to a long-term deal or have to play under the one-year deal, the franchise, whatever the case is. There's deadlines for that. You could say, well, there's a deadline for the transfer portal, right? Or there's a window that opens up and closes in 30 days. But the problem is it's not fair to that university, that team. And so in the case of Bama, which I think is the most egregious example, is you have a coach, a legendary coach, who is playing for the national championship in the college football playoff. He decides after that loss, I want to retire. And now that team and their new coach, Kalen DeBoer, is penalized because of this particular rule and the fact that the transfer portal window is closed for them, but not for every single player on that roster. So um, I'm sure there's a lot of people who don't really care to feel bad for Bama. What do you mean? It's an unfair advantage. It's unfair. It's, it's, it's completely unfair. It's, it's one of the reasons why, again, I keep going back to this calendar issue that you don't need two windows. 
And you don't even need to create an exemption when you have windows in place. And it's kind of, it really falls in the back of the conversation, LeVar, you and I had yesterday. That if you make a decision to go to a school, you got to make it about that school. And look, if you want to transfer, you have the opportunity to, if you just change the transfer portal window to May. All these guys need is 30 days. Give them those 30 days in May after the spring, after a new head coach comes in, after you go through classes in the spring to get closer to getting your degree, giving that head coach a chance, giving the school you initially selected a chance to see whether or not you want to be there. And instead, we've created now this cycle of just ridiculousness in regards to the process of hiring, firing coaches, deciding on coaches, recruits deciding on the schools they want to go to. I mean, it is an absolute mess. And it's, it's not that complicated, in my opinion, to fix it. For whatever reason, though, the NCAA and the powers that be, like no one wants to put any sort of guardrails or parameters around this to be able to limit the most fluid situation in any sports realm I think you can find right now. And, and I, it's just it's one of the many examples of how ridiculous college football has gotten. And, and I do wonder like how much of this played a role between NIL and the portal and everything else played a role in Nick Saban deciding to retire and some of the other coaches who are maybe looking to say, I got to get as much as I can while I can and, or try to get to the NFL because I don't have to deal with this crap anymore. I think we all know the answer to that. And, and you know, another thing it makes me think about is it kind of it kind of screws the kids that want to transfer out as well because at this point, I mean, the portal closed on yesterday, right? Today or yesterday, I believe, the, the portal closes. And, and so if your coach is just now leaving, even if they open up another portal for those players to leave, them other schools have handed out them scholarships. Right. You know, so it's like almost like free agency. Like, oh, if, if you don't if you're not if you're not a free agent when free agency opens up and you come you come available later on, you know, that money's gone. Right. So you're going to have a different negotiation as a pro if you become a free agent and you hit the free agency market, you know, at the tail end of it versus the beginning of it. And I kind of feel like that's the same thing. You have so many scholarships that you can hand out. So for those Alabama kids or the, the Arizona kids or the Washington kids, you know, you, you leave into the portal now, you it could be slim pickings. Yeah, and now and you're in the just portal. Myself, so real quick, 30 day period was December 24th of 2023 to January 2nd, 2024, and then the other 15 day period. It's not the beginning of May. I think they talked about that, but it's April 15th to April 30th of 2024. So that's the other 15 day window. So a little earlier actually, but somewhere around those spring games, which is kind of another interesting uh, time for all of that. You'd think it'd be it after a spring game instead of before. It, it's it's now what what it's now doing is they're dismissing and like think about when you were in school cute like if you were a scholarship player you were pretty much a scholarship player like if you if you didn't play you just didn't play you were still on scholarship you just never made it onto the field right it's now forcing schools to get rid of kids yeah they're getting rid of kids well there's just there's no commitment I think either way, and it's in part because of the system that's created where you're looking at now one-year contracts. And, and, and I would just say this, like college to me is a time where young people have the opportunity 
to figure out what they believe, figure out how they learn, how they think. You know, in, in, in high school, you're kind of, you know, that's what you're supposedly supposed to learn. But it's really not until you get out of the home until, in my opinion, you start to really figure that stuff out. And in sports, it's such a developmental period as a human being, but also as an athlete that, you know, you, you want at least a school to make a commitment to you. And, and you want it to not be this business arrangement that it's become. And I think that's the tough part now. Pretty is crazy, I, man. I, I, I just worry about the development of young people with the world they're entering into with sports. Like sports were such a, um, I think, catapult into like something else for a lot of players. Like I know a lot of guys who played that maybe didn't have a professional career but have been super, super successful. Absolutely. And they've taken a lot of the things they learned from football in high school and college with them to that career. And, and I look at it now and say, like, what are these young men and women, too, who, who have you know, exercised the transfer port on all this? Like, what does it look like 10, 20 years down the road? Like, are, are we thinking about their best interest? Or are we just saying, oh, get as much as you can while you can? Like, whoever's giving that advice obviously probably is getting a cut of it and is not thinking about the long-term welfare of these, peop- you know, these kids and their development moving forward. And, I, and that's that's my biggest concern with all this. I also wonder about the trickle down effect because when you talk about all of everything you get from football, look, I was a terrible football player. All of my best friends for twenty plus years have all been people that I met in high, playing high school football, like all of them, and they're still in my life, best in, in my wedding, everything. And I just wonder, like, how, what, how young are players now? when they're getting talked to by either an agent or somebody that wants to represent them because they see dollar signs. High five. school. So we're talking like... What, and in some cases, and in some rare, rare cases, youth football. I mean, that's, yeah. that's and insane, they're, they're, man. They come in the form of seven-on-seven seven coaches. I was just going to say, you, 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 know, know, you know where it starts. It's strength <laughs> coach, strength <laughs> trainers. Unbelievable, hey, man. Quarterback trainers. You, man. To LeVar's point, like, it starts young. And it starts sometimes like, I mean, let's just open up the Pandora's box on this conversation because it's not just football. It's, it's basketball, too. Basketball is probably the other example for, that for you can make. For a long time, yeah. For an AAU where yeah. – and look, I, and you're hearing people speak out about it now more than ever. I just listened to J.J. Redick talk about this. Like, I remember when I was young and we talked about, you know, playing man-to-man and never playing zone. And in part because, like, our coaches knew if we had to go to a zone, if we were really outmatched, we would. But for the most part, they wanted us to play man-to-man to understand those principles, to understand how to kind of sag off, help, help the you know, guy if you're a couple passes away, but if you're one pass away, you're going to be up on that defender. But it, it, it's harder to play man, right? It's more taxing on you, but it's the better way of, of figuring that stuff out. And if you couldn't match up, then you figure out ways around that if you really needed to win a game. But, like, it was partially for development. And nowadays, like, you don't see that in youth basketball anymore. They try to play a zone because they want to rest them. They want to try to win. They want to, you know, there's all these other reasons for doing it, but it's not in the best interest of the development of that player. And, and that effect of AU coaches and how those guys are looked at, it's, it's more about the result instead of the process. And it's not as developmental as it should be. That's happening in football with these seven on seven leagues. Seven on seven isn't football. And that's the problem is you've got a lot of people who are, are looking at it like it is, and it's not. And, and, and it, again, it's a byproduct of very early on, guys want to find people who've got potential talent and where they may go and making money in high school now. You can do that NIL. You can make it in college now before you even get to the NFL. And it's all become a business. And that's the tough thing about this is we're kind of exploiting a lot of young folks out there, especially athletes, 
in, in order to line our pockets as adults. That it, it's a terrible thing right now. That's wild, man. I can't imagine being that age and somebody coming to me or my parents talking about, oh, we'll give you this amount of X amount of dollars to do this. Like my parents would have given a side eye. Like, oh, wait, what? Like we're not even we're not even at that point, and we're already talking about business. It's a uh, it's a new era. Be sure to catch live editions of Two Pros and a Cup of Joe with Brady Quinn, Lavar Arrington, and Jonas Knox weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific. Uh, by the way, Brady, uh, before we get to this story, uh, we've got good news for a uh, city in the NFL. When are we gonna like? report all the precincts are closed but we're ready to report that the pay, that the Atlanta Falcons are hiring Bill Belichick when's that happening pretty much a um day, yeah probably sometime here in the next I don't know what's today Friday yeah I don't know probably part of the news cycle next week like he's got a second interview with Arthur Blank apparently they're meeting one-on-one and like let's just go ahead and get this wrapped up and done and then yeah I, I, I mean look for both Bill Belichick and and, and Jim Harbaugh, it's starting to become not like a great secret. They're just looking for the proper structure, and there's a list of things that I think both want, uh, respectively, Harbaugh with the Chargers and Bill Belichick with the Falcons. And it sounds like uh, that's what you know is kind of being sorted out or discussed at this point. But it's, it's not that great of a secret that Arthur Blank has had a ton of respect for Bill Belichick and vice versa. And if you look at the setup there in Atlanta, I mean, Bill, Je- Bel- Bill Belichick has everything he needs, I think, to, to go in with the way the defense played this year. If they can bring in a quarterback, you know, to make it all work. And it's like, you know, you, you, you say, a, make a statement like that, and then you see a report that, yeah, Kirk Cousins would love to play for a guy like Bill Belichick. Oh, oh man. Oh, is Kirk Cousins a free agent? Oh, he happens oh. to be a free agent. Like, stars are kind of aligning, and that would be an incredible combination of Belichick, Cousins, that team with the talent they have where they're at, it'd be cool to see what that could become. But I would imagine, you know, we'll get through the divisional round, we'll have the AFC Championship, NFC Championship next week, and that will be sorted somewhere out in there. I don't know. Maybe maybe we'll take it into that off week before the Super Bowl. So Underrated underrated defense, running game, passing attack. I mean, come on, Let me ask y'all a question. Y'all talked legacy about quarterbacks in, in, in a few segments ago or last segment or whatever, whatever, whichever segment. Among other things. Among other things. How how important do you think this next move for Belichick is for his his legacy? It's a good, it's a good question. I mean, I, I think if you looked at Brady's move and the fact that he goes to Tampa in year one, wins a Super Bowl, and, and I don't know if you – do you guys view the COVID year and the year that they won it as like more difficult to do it because of the, I mean, all the stuff that went that year? Do you remember how he got in trouble for knocking on the wrong yeah. person's door? They got like kicked out of a park. He had a bag full of footballs. And, <laughs> yeah, uh, they were they were trying to practice here. and throw, and they were like, "Nope, can't use this COVID. space." Yeah, can't do. Um, it. I like. I guess you'd say it was probably as difficult of a year as any to go win it, and they did. And that kind of cemented the, you know, his legacy of just like, all right, like doesn't matter where he's at, who he's with as a coach, he, he can win one. I like to move that that one around a little bit though, because if you know Lakers fans bring up the same argument, I'll say, well, it was easier. So I like it depends on the sport. I'll move it around and groove it to what's going to fit my narrative. That's going to piss people off. So I like a little flexibility with the COVID year for me. Yeah, but do you feel like the NBA, the way they adjusted the season, made it harder or easier? Because like they were all under the same exact conditions. It felt like with Tampa, like Tom moved to a different team. COVID hit. They couldn't practice. They couldn't. They were doing remote meetings. All this stuff. Like 
I think it's an apples to oranges comparison because COVID hit and struck the NBA like in the middle of the season where they had to make an adjustment, but it wasn't like you had a bunch of guys who were like literally in the off season trying to prepare for the season and they couldn't even get together and practice. Like that's in essence what this was. All I know is if Belichick goes to Atlanta and wins oh, the man. Super Bowl, <laughs> all I wanted to see is him do the dirty bird dance. All right. At the end of the Super Bowl, and then walk off, yeah, and then like the crotch chop, and and retire. Yeah, I don't know. We'll like, see. Okay. <laughs> I, I mean, yes, we will. to me, if he did the walk of shame after winning the Super Bowl in Atlanta, oh, like the gee. very next day, you see him looking like like a prehistoric male walking down the street of of Annapolis. <laughs> if if he goes in now. The lemon pepper Lou wings are at Magic City. What does Belichick get? Like, uh, like the uh, at Magic City? Or yeah, no, not Magic. What's it called? Uh, yeah, the, that's what it's called, right? The strip club in Atlanta, Magic yeah, City. That's, that's right, so, one so of the main ones. All right, yep. Is he getting uh, Buffalo Bills? Like, is he? Getting, I like that. Like, what what sort of wing flavor is Belichick getting if they want a Super Buffalo Bowl? Buffalo Bills. Oh, perfect. This is like right up Sam's alley. Sam, what what do you have? I know you're thinking of something. And do like you that. dip them? Actually, we have exclusive audio from Bill Belichick about uh, different wing flavors. Really? I don't know who's hot, who's not. <laughs> oh. You're just an idiot. Oh. <laughs> so that that means there's going to be two different flavors of you are an idiot. Buffalo Bills. <laughs> that's, that's exclusive to Fox Sports Radio, <laughs> yeah, Sam? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> One more time. I don't know who's hot, who's no, not. Oh, my God. I mean, that's the name of them. We don't who's hot, who's hot, not. Uh, uh, I, I, you, I enjoy hot. don't like yours hot, man. <laughs> I, like, I like the standard buffalo sauce, which is like kind of spicy, but not overwhelming. Uh, Frank's I'd like hot. to taste yeah. my wings. I don't yeah. want it to be so hot I that mean. my eyes is on fire. I'm coughing I'm and you. choking. Like, I like you. to taste the wings. Kind of more okay, so, but yeah. here's the problem, Var, for you and Sam. Here's the issue is I feel like medium is the can vary. Like okay. when people are like, all right, medium. I, I, you know what I'm saying? No, no, but like most mediums. There's somewhere like you'll get, and it's They're just normal. that. It's, yeah. it's normal. It's great yeah. flavor. It's got a little bit of a kick to it, but not too much. There's some mediums, though, that like they're a little bit more turned up, but people be like, ah, oh, it's too much for me. Yeah, no, I've like, never said that with medium. In fact, okay. I've, I do hot more often than not because hot is just like above medium. Yeah. But there's sometimes where they take it literally where it is a hot wing, and if I've experienced a hot wing – that's a for real hot wing. That's, that's too much for me. Oh man, I I like them atomic spices oh, and stuff yes. like. No, yes. Jonas, Jonas wants know. to feel it the next day on the. Toilet. I just like I I love I love spicy food. I yeah. love. But it. how do you taste it? That's I'm trying to understand. How do you it, taste something well, that's so spicy that it can choke you? So like, if you get a really spicy mango habanero. Like, that's got a little something to it. There's a sweetness added to it, but it's really, really hot. In some places, their mango habanero is a little bit downplayed in, in comparison to others. But if you mango go to... habanero. So there How was, can anything be that spicy when it starts with mango? I agree, but in some places, it's significantly hotter than others. Now, I'm going to put it to you like this. I'm going to put it to you like this. There, if you got to put on gloves 
to handle that sauce. Yeah. <laughs> what the hell? I don't want it. Yeah. Okay. Well, I don't I think want that it. goes without saying, right? Like, no, it does not. <laughs> yes, it does. There are some people that want their wings that hot. If you no, got to put on some gloves to handle saying, that sauce, if I don't I want it. If I walked up and I saw a dude wearing gloves and like goggles, I'm no, like, damn. You yeah. saw him put doing, them on after <laughs> like, you made your order. I'm just saying, bro, that's a science experiment. That's not eating wings. Um, like, that's not like sitting down at a table eating. That's a science experiment. There's a place, I don't want it. There's a place in Chicago. Bring called, out the Bunsen burner. There, there's a place in Chicago called Jake Melnick's. They've got like a four pepper hot wing that destroyed my brother and I a couple years ago to where within 45 minutes, it was multiple trips. I mean, it, yeah. it ran through us. Like <laughs> like we had stolen something from Is, it. Did we ever touch on what we were supposed to talk about this segment? Oh, yeah. Oh, no. So good news. Uh, speaking of the Midwest. Uh, <laughs> Guys, I have more exclusive audio, though. Okay. Uh-oh. More exclusive Uh-oh. audio okay. here. This Let's is actually it. from the server, the waiter who brought uh, you guys the hottest wings they have available at the restaurant. My eyes, the goggles do nothing. There you okay. go. Oh, yeah. I don't want it. All right. I don't want too it. hot, too All spicy. Right. All right. I'm done with exclusive. Any, more, any more Ramstein lyrics you want to you throw in, Sam? Uh, <laughs> no, we're so, good. Thank you. So here's the... Good, good job, news. Sam. <laughs> the good <laughs> news is that Indianapolis is going to get the combine back through at least 2025. All right, so there was some speculation that it was going to go signed a one-year extension? Yeah, so 2025. Okay. Hey, uh, Let me throw years. this out to you guys. Why only one year? Like, why not do a five-year, a ten-year deal? I I would appreciate it if they just let Indianapolis keep it. It's probably I've never been to Indianapolis, but I'm assuming it's great for business for the local community there. Like, why not just stick with tradition and stop moving everything around? You do it with the draft. You don't need to do it with the combine. Just leave it in Indy. Let them enjoy it. It's the NFL, man. They're trying to pimp out every part of this whole business. <laughs> pimp it out. Damn. I'm just I'm just being I'm just calling it what it is because Indianapolis and and, and granted it's been there for forever since they started it, they they do such a good job of hosting it with medicals, with the entire process. You have like an you know, inside tunnel system and you know, walkways where you really don't have to go outside unless you unless you want to. There's a ton of good restaurants, steakhouses and all that. It's it's kind of centrally located, at least for a good majority of the teams. It makes all the sense in the world. But this has become a four T V event. If you talk to coaches, you talk to front office executives and everyone else, they like some of them don't even send everyone out there anymore because all this stuff is at night. Like n- that's not even in the best interest of the players and performing. Like when we're talking about sports performance, and these guys trying to run a forty or jump as high as they can and all that, it is not set up for them to perform well. It's not. Like you know, if people don't want to perform at the combine, I 100% get it. For starters, it's not even football; it's the underwear Olympics. And the second thing is, is it at least used to be where you'd be up, you get your warm up in, you'd be ready to go in the morning. Like that testing, those drills, that'd be during like the morning or, or afternoon. Now they're trying to do this stuff in prime time just because it's for TV. And, and that's oftentimes not like what's best for them if they're trying to run the you know, fastest or whatever and all that stuff. So I just, it, it, I, I don't, and this, this event could easily move after 2025 purely because they probably maybe put it up to bid. Or the NFL would try to find a way of pushing it to another city that they felt like they could make more money from, make it an attraction, get more fans there, all that stuff. And it's completely gotten away from the purpose of why it was created. So fine. Let's go. I want it in Cali. Let's go. Damn. Let's go. And that's fine. Bye, Indy. 
I, I would say th- I would say this for the West Coast. It would be better, right, if you're trying to get that window for prime it, time. Yes, yes, because at least it's a little bit earlier in the day when they're actually going to be out there running around. There it is. So let's go. But, but 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 remember, this was created to get medical evaluations. It was and interviews for players. That was and the was, initial and, reason. Yeah, it was. And now we've we strayed all the way to acting like. We're going to watch dudes throwing t-shirt and shorts right. and, and running a 40 and a 5'10'5". And, 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 and have like, their, their compression shorts explode. Hell yeah. Like yeah. Jonas's favorite was Chris Jones' 40. Yeah. yeah. Right. Listen. Yeah. 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 The, uh, the greatest fumble in the history of the NFL. <laughs> Step aside, Ernest Biner. <laughs> you got company. Um, you right. can't stop him. <laughs> you uh, only can hope to <laughs> contain him. You know, next thing you know, a bowling alley breaks out in Indy. Um, oh, no. 